Sunday and Advent blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that begins a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the third Sunday of Advent. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is the priest, St. Jerome, one of the four great Western Fathers of the Church. He was born into an economically comfortable family around the year 345 in Striden, near the city of Amona, present-day Ljubljana, the capital city of Slovenia. Around the year 360, Jerome went to Rome and honed his studies of Latin. During his studies, he befriended Rufinus, an important figure in early Christian writings, and also amassed an impressive library of Latin classics, which he poured over with great deliberation and study. While studying in Rome, he enjoyed a very worldly life, yet was intrigued by Christian texts and practices. In his commentary on the book of the prophet Ezekiel, Jerome writes, While I lived in Rome as a youngster and was being trained in the liberal arts, together with others of my age who shared a common purpose, I used to visit the tombs of the apostles and martyrs on Sundays, and to enter the crypts frequently, where on either side of the visitors, bodies were buried in the walls, dug deep into the earth. St. Jerome was baptized in Rome in 366, but does not give us details of his conversion. Shortly after his baptism, he went to the city of Trier and there became acquainted with the ideals of Eastern monasticism. We know that in the year 374, he was living in Aquila in northeastern Italy with a small group of like-minded friends until disagreements drove them apart with Jerome heading to the desert in Syria, just south of the city of Aleppo. It was here that Jerome became more proficient in Greek and Hebrew, while living a very austere and ascetic life. In 382, Jerome was back in Rome and became the secretary to Pope Damasus who strongly encouraged and supported his efforts to provide a new Latin translation of the sacred scriptures, which became known as the Vulgate. 
When Pope Damasus died, Jerome traveled to the Holy Land and eventually settled in Bethlehem, where he lived until his death around the year 419. While in Bethlehem, he penned massive works on sacred scripture, as well as refuting many strains of the Arian heresy. The Church fondly recalls the memory of St. Jerome each September 30th, noting his living and tender love for sacred scripture. For the saintly translator and commentator of scripture, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. On this Advent Sunday, we listen to an excerpt from his commentary on the Gospel of John, wherein St. Jerome ponders the ministry of John the Baptist, proclaimed at Mass this Sunday. And now, an excerpt from St. Jerome's Homily 87 on the Gospel according to St. John. The Gospel says of John, There has been a man, one sent from God. Consider the vast difference between God and man. For of God it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice how an unlettered fisherman made use of a new word in its proper signification of God. In the beginning was the word, as we have already quoted. We have no time to repeat the entire passage. He says of man, There has been a man sent from God. Mark the has been. Of the Son of God, he says, was. Of man, has been. In referring to God, John says, in the beginning was the Word. In referring to the Son of God, he says, the Word. Of man, there has been a man. Because he is a man, he has been sent from God, whose name was John. In his name, one senses grace, for the name John means the grace of the Lord. The letters I-O mean the Lord, the letters A-N-N-A means grace. Whose name was Ioannis. Truly, he merits the name he bears, Pharaonumas. Why Pharaonumas? Because he is true to his name. He has received a very great grace. Hence, in the desert, he searches into the reason and nature of things and keeps himself for the coming of Christ. Because he was to announce Christ, from day to day he is fed in the desert. There, 
from day to day, he grows. He has no desire to converse with men. In the wilderness, he communes with the angels. John had always known that Christ would come. Not only had he known him from infancy, but when he was in the womb of his mother, he had recognized Christ and already greeted him. It is written, in fact, the babe in the womb leapt for joy. Just think, as he was being formed in his mother's womb, he perceived the advent of the Lord. Realize your nobility, monks. God is the first one of our calling. He is a monk. Right after his birth, he lives in the wilderness. He is reared in the wilderness. There he waits for Christ. Meditate on the difference. When John was born and lived in the wilderness, how much wealth was stored away in the temple that we now see in ruins? How much gold, silver? What crowds worshipped it? Do you want to know how vast the throng of worshippers? Josephus, the Jewish historian, gives an account of the number at the time when Jerusalem was captured by Vespasian and Titus. He says that 801,000 were captured in a single day. Grasp what that means. When that many have been captured, how many inhabitants must there have been altogether? How many died? How many did hunger kill? How many the sword? He also records the quantity of gold there was, the silver, precious gems, silk, the numerous priests, scribes, and various other officials. On the other hand, see how Christ esteems humility. Christ, the Son of God, is not recognized in the temple, but he is proclaimed in the desert. The humble Christ loves the humble. Why do I lay such stress on this? To teach you that John the Baptist set the example for our way of life. Blessed are they who imitate John, than whom there has not been a greater among those born of woman. He was waiting for Christ. He knew that he was to come. He did not deem it fitting for his eyes to look upon anyone else. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing that has been made. Many read this inaccurately because they add, without any punctuation, that which has been made in him was life. The correct statement, all things were made through him, and without him was made nothing that has been made, meaning that which has been made 
without him has not been made. The Holy Spirit has not been made. Hence, the Holy Spirit is not through him. Admittedly, the Holy Spirit, who has made all things, has not been made by the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, by the Spirit of his mouth all their hosts. You perceive that there are two who create. I dismiss the Father, for there is no doubt about him, although all three persons are plainly indicated in this versicle. When Scripture says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, it speaks of the Logos, that is, it speaks of the Word and the Lord, Father and Son. Two persons are mentioned. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, in other words, by the Son of the Father the heavens were made, and by the Spirit of his mouth all their hosts. There is a clear demonstration in this versicle that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the creators of all things. All things were made through him. Now, if all things were made through him, is the Father, on that account, excluded from creation or the Holy Spirit? And has the Son alone worked? Because the evangelist has said, all things were made through him, lest he take away creation from the Holy Spirit and the Father, he added, and without him was made nothing that has been made. When he says, without him was made nothing, he reveals that another has made, but has made nothing without him. In the end, what does wisdom say in the Proverbs? When he established the heavens, I was there. There has been a man, one sent from God. We shall comment briefly on each word. There has been a man sent from God. Notice the precision of the idiom. What does it say about God? Of the Son of God? In the beginning was the Word. Was. He who was has no beginning. He who was has ever been. Of John, however, although he is a saint and precursor, it does not say he was, for he did not exist before he was conceived. He was not before he became the forerunner, nor before he was conceived in the womb. Let heresy listen to this. He is not sent who was, but he who was not is sent and becomes the precursor. What is the meaning of there has been a man sent from God? Notice the 
propriety of the words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. We have read secular literature. We have studied Plato and the other philosophers. Our fisherman has found what the philosopher failed to detect. If he had said, in the beginning was God the Son, he would seem to have excluded the Father, or even to be making two gods, and it would have been no gain for us from the Gentiles if we had abandoned many gods to believe in two gods. See then how prudently, how gradually the evangelist moves, moves along. He does not say, in the beginning was God, lest it seem that God and God created, that two gods had been associated. But he calls the Son the Word, while he is saying that the Word itself is in the Father, he is also saying that the Son is God, so that there is no misunderstanding that God is one. By the same process of reasoning through which we affirm the Son of God and affirm, moreover, one God in the Father and in the Son, so in the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit, there is indeed a trinity, but one divine nature. St. Jerome of Bethlehem, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, who see how your people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's Nativity, Enable us, we pray, to attain the joys of so great a salvation and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.